It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty broadcasting from the Morton studio. And on Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com if you've got soil tests you'd like us to look at or fertility program or just any general agronomic questions we'd be happy to to help speaking about agronomic things on our farm today we've got some rain in the forecast here we caught just a little bit of rain just a tenth or two yesterday not a big deal but enough to stop soybean harvest and we've been a overcast day today it just hasn't ever gotten fit yet so we're we're just working on stuff in the shop and uh, actually also looking at stuff that we haven't used and uh, just going through a couple of our buildings with with our guys and looking at some things saying man when's the last time we used that and you know on farms it's pretty easy to accumulate things and our farm is no different and whether it's stuff that is still hanging around from dad or grandpa or something like that or just something that, you know, we don't do that anymore. We farm a little different, and we, we just don't need that piece of equipment. We're just looking at, well, what are some things we could put on auction or offer up in an online marketplace or just haul it to the junk metal place and take whatever we can get for it? We're kind of going through some of our things there. So that's the kind of slow day that we had in our farm. But, man, next week is going to start rocking for us. So we... Do a lot of silage. We leave check strips to see what yield was like in each of these fields and kind of compare that to tonnage for a lot of different reasons where, number one, just kind of curious, well, what what did we yield? Because knowing the tons is one thing, but knowing what the yield in bushels is is another. And another thing that we like to do as we're looking at those numbers is just evaluate hybrids. Well, which ones turned out the best for us and which ones produce the most grain and Maybe we didn't make the best choice. Maybe we picked one that, boy, it had really nice grain, but terrible tonnage. Let's not do that one for silage again. Let's use that on the grain portion of our operation, those kinds of things. Uh, and then the other thing that we're looking for out in those check strips right now is where are we at? How close are we to harvest? Because we're going to cut some high moisture corn here for for our neighbor uh, real soon, too. And we're hoping to be doing that next week. We're just starting to get back our soil test results. We've been pulling soil tests, pretty much chasing silage cutters and soybean combines out of the field, pulling soil tests. And here's one thing that that we learned so far, just with the very first few results that we've gotten back. Some were, were about what we would have expected. And okay, yep, this area of the field is you know, about where we'd expect for fertility in this one. Yeah, we need some work. We knew we need some work, and, and here's where it's at. But then there's others that are kind of wild. And on a few, especially in our lighter, sandier soils, when we were trying to pull cores, and I was actually out there doing it myself this year too, just to see, well, how are we getting cores? And I didn't feel like it was even possible for us to do a good job because the ground was so dry. And it's exactly what what our worst thoughts were about that is we got some wacky results from some of those areas of field. So I would encourage you as you're pulling your soil test, if, if you've got a rain in the forecast and you say, man, we've been so dry and the ground's just powder and it's it's hard, but as soon as that breaks up, it's just powder, 
Maybe it isn't the best time to pull a soil test. Maybe you want to give it another week, go pull on some of your ground that maybe is higher organic matter is held on to a little bit more moisture, or maybe it's a lower field or something like that. Because our lower areas, even though we've been super dry, still pulled really nice cores. So it's just something to think about as you're getting out there and doing things this fall. Then, you know, once we get all that high moisture corn off, we're starting to make the plans for manure and where we're going to take it. We just got word today when the manure applicator is going to be here to to put on manure. And, and now we're working on which fields can he reach? And if so, how many gallons do we want and those kinds of things? And yesterday, Brian made a comment. If you weren't listening to yesterday's show, or even if you were, it might not have Adam might have been out of place or he might not have filed this one into the, huh, I need to be thinking about that a little bit. But we had the question, how do you determine your manure rate? Is it based on how much phosphorus there is? Is it based on how much nitrogen there is? You know, what's the limiting factor as to how many gallons of manure you're going to put on? And our answer is something different. Our answer is salt. How many pounds of salt are there? Now, Granted, if the manure was super concentrated with nitrogen, for example, we'd say, hey, we don't need any more than 200 pounds per acre, so we better limit it at that. So sometimes that may be the case for you. But for us, our limiting factor is salt. We don't want to put any more than 500 pounds of salt out per acre. And Midwest Labs has always had this guideline on, on manure samples that you run there, and they, they recommend not putting more than 500 pounds of salt on per acre if you have heavy soil, and 25 inches or more of rain. So if you're in a sandy soil, even lower rainfall environment, common sense would tell you their recommendation is going to be much less. So I think that's a big thing for us on our farm. So we're trying to figure out, okay, let's get a good sample of the manure. Let's find out where we're at and judge where our rate needs to be. Now, it does vary a little bit from year to year because you may say, well, if you're working with the same dairy in this case, we probably know what their test was from last year and the year before, and that'll give you a good idea of where you're going to be. I agree with that, but that doesn't mean we're not going to pull multiple samples this year uh, from each lagoon just to see where we're at. And we did see some variance from one lagoon to the to the next last year, and we did see uh, a variance in nutrient content. For example, we used to get close to 18 pounds per thousand gallons, 18 pounds of nitrogen per thousand gallons. Now we're only getting about 14 and a half. So they, they've changed the ration up a little bit. They've, they've gotten a little better efficiency out of the animals, pulling things out of the feed and, and those kinds of things. You need to watch those things. Livestock producers are always trying to get better and they're very focused on what their costs are. So they don't want to waste any nutrients and want the animals to absorb as much of that as they can. So it is something I would recommend. Get good samples if you're putting manure out there. Well, it is Farmer Friday today. Manure may not be what's on your mind. We'd love to hear what's going on in your farm at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth.
You've done it, your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.clas.com. back you're listening to ag phd radio on a farmer friday our phone lines are open for your agronomic questions or if you just want to talk about what's happening on your farm that's fine too it's 844-44-AG-PHD got our friend tony wendler on next he farms down in the state of iowa also has a little side project uh, with bin fan controls and closing wheels and always looking to innovate you know, this is one of the cool things about many farmers that you visit with they're always looking for hey what's something i could tweak what's something i could make a little bit better because it's just not working in my operation and sometimes you come up with some really good things tony how you doing i'm excellent darren uh, perfect the uh, getting excited about harvest coming up and uh as you mentioned with bin fan controls I'm finding myself in a lot of conversations every day with farmers uh, further south. They're getting out there harvesting. And I know that uh, you and I, we always talk about harvesting earlier and harvesting wet. But uh, everybody's experience is kind of like me. You get that done the first day, and the second day they're down to 9%. Uh, the uh, So... A lot of people going out there with their low moisture beans and uh, wondering about uh, adding moisture back to them. So we're uh, talking about uh, topics like that. So it's uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it's quite a it's quite a year, and it's it's been fun on these beans too. That in some spots it's like, well, that looks like it's still going to be pretty wet, and the beans come out at eleven percent. And then other areas is like, well, man, it has to be ready to go over here. And the beans are still like 17. So, yeah, it's tough to hit this just right. And and if we get sunshine again and, and some warm weather and some wind, things can dry out in a hurry. Hey, uh, the, when, you, when you talk about that, um, you know, beans, for my understanding, are chemically driven for maturity. And you have the, uh, the different, uh, the drier and the wetter. Um, I had uh, did uh, some of my replant with the uh, the same maturity, which my first thought would be uh, 
the chemical ought to accumulate at the same rate, but holy cow, are those things green, and the rest of my field looks like it's going to be uh, ready to harvest next week. Yeah, I think there's a lot of soybean fields out there that are going to get just areas of the field picked out of there and others that aren't. So talk to us about the bin fan control. So if you've got this situation, you say, okay, I've got some beans that are dry. I've got some beans that are wet. Can I throw them all in the same bin and kind of even things out? And if so, do I want the wet beans necessarily on the bottom because there's going to be more air there or how, how do you do it? Actually, the, the scenario you described is the wet beans on the bottom is the uh, perfect place for them. And then, um, uh, as we uh, will we'll set it such that it'll, it'll strip some of the moisture off that and it'll just blow it up through to the drier ones, as well as we'll, we're really going to set our goal to rehydrate the upper ones. In a, uh, a scenario that's pretty challenging is if you end up with your wet beans on top, and that seems the way I always farm, is that uh, I leave those wet ones to the end and they're on the top of the bin. And uh, the, if, I'm, if I end up in a push situation, that is much more challenging because uh, beans are not really a front. It's uh, as the water, air goes by, they're pulling the water molecules out. And if you had a bin that was a perfect 10 points from bottom to top, by the time you got the bottom to 13, the top would be about 12 and a half. It's going to lag a little behind because some of those water molecules have gotten pulled out of the air by the lower layers. So if we had... 16 on top and 10 on the bottom, as we add three points uh, to the bottom, we're going to add two and a half points to that 16 on top. And uh, so that makes it a little challenging. Uh, in uh, some scenarios, uh, if you've got the fans, that, and it takes an axial fan, and then you've got to look at the fan blade type, some of them you can reverse the motor and pull air down. And that's an interesting uh, way to approach it. Uh, if you've got the wrong blades on it, I understand makes the fan about 60% as efficient. So you need to look at that a little bit. If you've got a centrifugal fan, can't do it. So then we uh, do something, kind of get a little bit of water into the bottom, into a little drier stuff in the bottom, and then we look at a band that we're going plus minus our target. So the, uh, the uh, top side of our humidity will dry the wet beans, but still add moisture to the, to the uh, dry ones. And the uh, the dry end of it won't uh, is still above where our dry ones are at. So we're if we run that and it's averaging our target, we got enough time. And it's not hours in the fan. We don't accumulate a lot of hours in the fan, but it takes weeks and weeks to to make that work. Unless uh, last time I had to do it, I had a one day period where the humidity hung right at the target, and the whole thing got finished up in a day. Worked wow. out really cool. Yeah, the, uh, you mentioned so, it may take a few weeks just to get the right weather conditions to get dry yeah. air or wet air, uh, depending on what you're what you're trying to get done with this. That's a nice thing about these bin fan controls; you can can set them for certain conditions, and and uh, it does take some sampling, though. I'm guessing to uh, to get this all right, Tony. The way you're talking about this, that if it's wildly different from the top to the bottom. Well, we've got monitors that we put in the bins, and so we're tracking layers, and we're looking at the equilibrium humidity that the grain establishes with the air around it, uh, in amongst the uh, the seeds. So, uh, and it actually makes it kind of a no-brainer on uh, how we're approaching it. If you look at you got dry beans, 
and they're generating an equilibrium humidity of 50%, anytime the air is wetter than 50%, you'll add moisture to that layer. And uh, if you're looking at a layer that's up there at uh, 17%, it's going to have an equilibrium moisture up in the uh, upper 70s, low 80s. And anytime we add drier air than that, we'll strip water out. So it makes it an easy way to think about it. And then with a chart, uh, you have a temperature and a humidity reading. With a chart, then you can pretty accurately identify what the moisture is at that layer to fit your target. And uh, my experience is I can hit it plus minus a uh, uh, quarter point, you know, a half point range. And I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah, that's awfully tight. So, and and if you can do all this, this is the nice thing about controls. If you can do it without having to get in the bin, uh, the safety is yeah. so much better. And, and now, granted, right now we don't have ice and snow and everything else on bins, but it's coming. It's coming, oh, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Uh, okay, you had a yeah. question about corn stalks, too, I, I hear. What what are you thinking about there, Tony? I was over at the Farm Progress show, and I tried to get around and see a few things. One of the companies was advocating for a, uh, a Christmas tree, I'll call it, type of leaf development. And uh, they were talking about the interception of light. And I've always thought, as long as you got leaves out there and you're intercepting light, their approach was that with a Christmas tree effect, with smaller leaves on, shorter leaves on top, the uh, light was coming down and allowing you to saturate each leaf with a more equal amount of light. And if you look at the, uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm, chlorophyll, when you're activating the chlorophyll, you get more little chlorophyll factories going in the leaves, making sugars. Uh, the uh, It's going to allow for more production. And uh, their comment was, if you got big leaves on top and you're shading leaves lower on the stock, you've missed out and uh, perhaps that leaf is maxed out. It, uh, it got more energy than it could utilize. Um, what uh, it, it sure sounds good. Makes sense to me. Yeah, um, it, it does. And whether it's a corn plant or a soybean plant or whatever, this is something that you'll notice. And I, I love this time of year because you can pretty easily as beans start to drop their leaves off, as corn starts to kind of finish up towards harvest, you can see this where, uh, like on corn, a lot of times there, there'll be plants that have more upright leaves as you get towards the top of the plant and then more horizontal leaves as you get towards the bottom. And, and soybeans, each one of those branches is going to feed the pods at that node. So yes, if those lower branches can still catch some sunlight, then they are going to bring in more energy for those seeds that you're going to produce so yeah that that is something that we're seeing seed breeders looking at is just what style of plant is this and obviously they're looking at yield but one of the factors that goes into this is what kind of plant architecture there is where the lower leaves stick out a little bit further the upper leaves are a little bit tighter to the plant hey good point there tony bringing that up and uh, we got to run but we'll talk to you again down the road stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio the hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. 
Together, we can uproot the stigma. In 1923, Bertar Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. When it comes to combines, capacity and cost keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at Kloss.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear from you about what's going on on your farm, and if you have any agronomic questions we can help with, we would love to do that. 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got Gary on with us right now. Uh, Gary, how's it going? Um, good. We're getting a little rain this week. That's about the first time we've had rain in a, in a long time, so... Yeah, you know, not the ideal timing for rain. Would love to have it in the middle of the growing season instead of when we're about ready to start harvesting. Have you guys gotten started out in the field? We did corn silage, and uh, and uh, it was very, very dry during corn silage, which is good for harvest. But uh, we just get on seeding uh, cover crops and our rye for next year, and uh, we needed this rain. We had a half inch uh, two different shots here in the last week so now we've had an inch of rain and the, everything's greening up pretty good so we got we needed the rain so yeah. otherwise the only decent rain we had all summer was an inch and a half on may 14th oh boy and that, after that then we had a uh, eight tenths at the end of july and a half inch there towards the end of june 
but uh yeah it uh and then between we you know you got the tenth here or two tenths there but you know it didn't amount to much so i am surprised uh the the uh appraisal from the crop adjuster and corn silage was well above what i was expecting uh and about uh 30 bushels below last year but it was more than i was expecting based on the way the crop looked so you know that I've heard that from quite a few farmers, and I, I think the guys in Chicago may have it all wrong. They're they're hearing us say, well, "We're pleasantly surprised. We are, but we thought it was a total disaster, and it was just a bad year." <laughs> you know, and and they hear, "Oh man, they're pleasantly surprised. Maybe the market should go down." Yeah, well, I, but you know, that's thirty. Well, the last two years are the best two years we've ever had growing corn, and so we're thirty bushels behind that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to be behind last year. It means I have no idea. It's they had huge potentials, a lot of pods, but I, the, the pods aren't very big, some of them. So. Brandon and I were debating that. What's seed size going to be? And on the corn, too, what's test weight going to be? Those kinds of things, because they can really throw it off when you're trying to do that pre-harvest estimate. Do you, do you even try on soybeans to do a pre-harvest estimate? I bet you do on corn. I bet you count some kernels on some ears. Yeah, we do it on corn. And then when they make a best judgment, do we divide by 90,000 or 80,000? Or if we think they're really big kernels, I don't know, 75,000 maybe even. But, uh, yeah, uh, we just did not have any tip back on the corn, and the ears were pretty uniform. And, uh, of course, crop adjuster, when he, with the, what, we got a dollar-plus drop in price from spring on, on our crop insurance policy. So I, I, I don't know if they're... People above them in the company said, "Hey, be generous, and so we don't have to pay out or what." But I just, I just couldn't believe when they come in thirty bushels for above where I expected. So, so uh, looking forward here, you, you said you've got a rye cover crop going now, and and thank goodness for the rain; it'll certainly take advantage of that. Uh, when do you terminate that cover crop, or how do you handle that cover crop before the next uh, crop you're going to try and produce? Okay. We've been doing covers for almost twenty years. So we've got a little bit of experience, but uh, we will plant green uh, if if the opportunity allows us. And then if the weather turns that we can't plant or that's too wet to plant, we will then spray it off. But we spray it with uh, Dramoxone. Um, we don't mind getting a knee high. That's not a problem. Normally, this year it was a problem because it sucked moisture, extra moisture out of the ground. Uh, so, and we didn't have much moisture to work with to begin with, but... Uh, Almost all of our corn is planted into a rye cover crop, so it it did look tough early, but it doesn't. It now it's staying green when everybody else's is dying. So I'm not sure what to think of that, but uh, the ears I've looked at are good. So excellent, excellent. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a learning process there. And you mentioned you've been into it for 20 years, and I'm sure some years you say, "Man, we just hit that perfect," and other years, like you say, "Oh, I wish I would have done things a little bit different." But uh, we can always have 2020 hindsight, I guess. Well, I will say this, our ground is different than our neighbors. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just crumblier, it's uh, softer, it's easier to plant into. We don't have to use much down pressure. So uh, it does something, Whether and I guess the argument whether it does uh, a lot to justify the cost, I mean, you're looking at an extra, what, $25 an acre probably, uh, 30 now with like fuel cost to what they're doing. Um, but we've been, we're low organic matted soils and, and the our goal was to add organic matter. So. Yep, yep, and it absolutely does that. I, like you say, when, when you look at that and you say, well, it's got a cost to it, it's not free. Well, yeah, it's not free, but 
what are the benefits? Sometimes it's hard to quantify exactly what they are, but you can feel it. I know what you mean, because we were just actually having this discussion, too, just about the tilt and the kind of sponginess there. And once you get to that point, you know you've got a lot better chance of really good crops than you do. I mean, a lot of this ground is just rock hard this year. So there, like you say, there is a huge advantage that you can feel out there. Yeah, I know when we were walking, uh, as I was walking across the field as we were getting ready to seed here after corn silage, you know, you could feel your feet. It was soft under our feet. So, yeah, and it's nothing but earthworm dung on top of the ground because this is all no-tilled. Not only is it the cover crop, it's also no-tilled for 25 years or better. So, yeah, I I think we're doing something right. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you got to run that heavy equipment across the ground, it, it just pays having more organic matter and, and more fluffiness to that ground, too, or, or uh, sponginess, I should say, to that ground. It's going to be a lot more forgiving, no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and for, we hire our chopping done, and they run trucks. And boy, the the, the, the last thing you want is wet conditions at uh, corn silage chopping, because boy, that really packs the ground. So, I bet those guys can tell the huge difference too as they're running trucks out there. We we I know a few years back we had a new person working for us on the farm, and they drove into one of our fields with the truck, and they said, "Oh my goodness." this is different. <laughs> What's going on here? And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks for noticing that. Cause you do kind of take it for granted if you're only working on your own farm. Well, and the other thing that the cho- custom choppers will say, I'll say, I think we can go today after we have a little bit of rain and uh, provided you don't have a lot of rain that it's, that, that, that you're really, really wet, but uh, the no-till you just can get back on it so much sooner. So. Yeah, there is a difference. I mean, there's always pros and cons with everything, and it doesn't happen overnight. Like you mentioned, you've been into this for a while, so you guys have been working on it for a while. And uh, kudos to you. It's really cool to pay attention to those things. And uh, I love your goal of building organic matter over time. That that really pays. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've got a lot of people lined up here to, waiting to get on the radio, but uh, if, you, if you don't, I had one thing I sure. would bring up. Sure. If you do, we'll let it nope, go on. No, nope. go ahead. Uh, I was... Caught it on the news the other day. It happened to be, uh, uh, I can't think of the name now, the head of Apple. Um, but they were showed a video of one of their meetings, and one of the gals in the meeting says, our goal here is to be uh, take all the carbon out of the air by 20, I don't know, was it 2040 or 2050? My question to you is, do these people even realize that without carbon we're all dead? <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious some of the stuff that you hear out there and it's it's really good it, it, i wish that we had somebody that would call them on these things and and talk about it because yeah when we get we want more carbon dioxide that's awesome for plants and when we have more plants yeah. they're going to put produce more oxygen it's it's fantastic. And I look at where we're seeing issues with this, where they're really worried about the air quality. It's not where they're growing plants, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, corn, corn and, well, any good growing crop, especially corn, sucks a lot of CO2 out of the atmosphere. So, well, I saw something yesterday, too. Uh, somebody had posted that, that there were 60, they estimate there were 60 million buffalo uh, in the United States, which I have no idea how they would estimate that. But well, that's hard to believe. There was, there were 60 million when uh, the Europeans started coming here. and Oh, okay. I mean, it's more than we have cattle right now. 
And then they want to blame cattle for global warming and all these things. And I'm thinking, do they even know what our cattle numbers are? Do they, they know where in the world the most cattle are? It's not here, unfortunately. And our cattle numbers are down and certainly way less than the 60 million of bison that they say used to be running around here. Well, uh, I don't know if a, if a cow is going to create problems, Buffalo is bigger. Well, yeah, yeah. We happen to dairy also, so I can, we can go back a couple decades, and we had, at that time we had 25 million dairy cows in this country, and now we have 9 million cows. So, I mean, yeah. we just have significantly less animals, but we're still, we still have the same amount, if not more, production so we can feed more people. So the progress that agriculture has made in efficiencies and, and, our, and what we do to keep the environment clean, it's just we get no credit for it. I don't know. No, that's for sure, Gary. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday on our show today, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Nebraska. We've got Gilbert down with us right now. Gilbert, how are you doing? Well, I'm just doing pretty good. It rained last night in southwest, south-central Nebraska, and hey, that's a good deal anytime. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you guys. The last few years, it's been it's been pretty rough. But I heard you got big rain. Did that create any problems? Well, I I myself is on the short end, about at one inch, but in the area around up to four inches. So I'm sure it's going to create some problems, but not for me myself. No, I'm I'm certain that the soil could hold that much if it just came nice and easy. It doesn't always come nice and easy, but uh, we're, we can no. sure use it. That soil profile is is tough. What uh, what are crops looking like? Have you gotten started out in the field in your area? Yeah, mostly dryland crops, dryland corn. Well, it it died and dried instead of matured. Too much too much heat there in August. Well, we had the last week of July was hot hot. And then the first 10 days of August, we had wonderful rains. And then the last half of August was a repeat of July, hot, hot, hot. Dryland corn didn't have enough subsoil moisture from last year to carry it over. So, it, like I said, it died and dried. Yeah, that's So that's it means a big... the same way. There's, there's some beans that look decent, but there's not a bean in the pod. Oh, that's... That's no fun. Now, you mentioned the dying and drying on the corn, and I think this is a great heads up to a lot of farmers out there. We're going to see a lot of that this year, especially in the lower organic matter, uh, lighter areas of the farm. Get after it this year. I, I I just have to caution you on this one. It's going to happen really quickly. It looks like next week we're going to be more in the 70s, maybe 80 degrees, not the 80s up towards 90s. So maybe that'll help a little bit. But yeah, it's it's coming around quick this year. Yeah, I don't know of any irrigated corn that's been picked as dry corn has been picked as high moisture corn for the feedlots. But I myself don't know of any irrigated corn that's been picked as dry corn sure i know we had a lot of questions this year too do you have irrigation to yourself gilbert yes we, we had a lot of questions this year about that about with the extreme heat and everything how that changed irrigation practices did it change anything for you at all uh no i'm just a small farmer just have one one irrigation well and i've converted it all from gravity to subsurface drip Oh, awesome. So really it didn't didn't change anything. I just followed my rotation through my zones and That's that's very interesting. Sure. So why did you switch to the drip? Just trying to go get rid of the waste of water or uh were you did you have a different goal in mind? Too many acres and not enough water. Yeah. Yep. So this way I could stretch water farther. I'm in an area where we can't add any more irrigated acres or drill any additional wells, but I'm not restricted on how much I can pump, but just to spread my water over more acres. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to a farmer in South Dakota that put in a a subsurface drip irrigation system this year, and he said it pretty much doubled his yields. He was non-irrigated before. And of course, uh, I know, I'm sure you could say for those dry land acres in your area, if they would have had subsurface drip, it probably would have doubled their yield pretty easy too. Oh, oh yeah, this this year. 
Yeah, what a year, no doubt about that. So uh, with the with the soybean acres, uh, you mentioned that some of them, it just doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot there. We've seen a tremendous variance up here too. I know um, we were just out around some of where we've got some test plots, and it was anywhere from 50 bushel to 90 bushel, just depending on if it was in the good part of the field and the good ground or if it was on oh. a lighter hillside. Yeah. This field looked beautiful for dry land beans all summer, but crop adjuster said one bushel. Oh, boy. Well, that yeah. is no fun. Well, Gilbert, I am glad you guys are getting a little bit of rain here. Hopefully you catch some more over this weekend, and it, it sets you up for a little more success next year. Yeah, so now I'm number one goal now is plant wheat. <laughs> yes, yes, and that while, season's... Well, we got the moisture on the surface, and it's going to be soft enough to penetrate it. Yep. yep, yep, that season is here for sure. Well, Gilbert, thank you so much. It's great talking to you today, and, and good luck here with the rest of the, the harvest season and planting season. All right, thank, thank you, and same to you. Good luck with all your agronomic information that you share with oh, you bet. The farmers in the You bet. Thanks, US. Gilbert. We appreciate it. Uh, let's head out to Ohio. Got Fred on with us right now. Uh, what's going on out there, Fred? Oh, uh, a lot of guys chopping uh, over this way, um, getting a lot of stuff done there, and uh, we're we're still probably a couple weeks out on on a lot of the uh, soybean harvest and then corn. It's kind of a crazy year. It seems like some of the corn that got in early might be ready before the beans, and it's just it, you never know what you're going to get. So yep. um, keeps you on your toes. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's for sure. We we did have a question though because uh, sure. we, we've been getting. Uh, we've been kind of wanting to try this, but we've been wanting to try some of the soybean desiccation. Okay. Um, and it it's just a weird timing. Like we don't we don't really exactly know what we're looking for. I mean, I know that we want that white membrane to kind of be detached from the pod wall. Yes. But what what's your guys' recommendation on on timing for soybean desiccation? Well, that's that's a great question. So we are not uh, desiccators here, and we we just wait for it to come around naturally. But there is a lot of unevenness out there, and I know uh, for for a number of guys that we talk to, they say desiccation's been a real big deal for them, uh, and especially as we go further south, where you aren't going to get the benefit of frost. I, I got to got to spin everything to the positive, Fred. You don't get the benefit of frost and the benefit of freezing right. temperatures. Uh, that's one of the nice things that saves us the whatever ten bucks or fifteen bucks of of desiccating. Uh, but if you're looking to desiccate, yeah, that's going to be the big thing. If we get the the soybeans separating from the pod wall. Uh, that would be really the timing of when to do it. And then you spray the desiccant and you give it a week or 10 days and then you roll. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was just one of those things where we're like, well, maybe we can get in there a little bit early Might on, on some of our tougher ground where there's a lot of wildlife pressure. We're, sure. Well, maybe we can get it a little bit earlier, or, you know, before the before the deer fill their bellies. But Yeah, and anyhow, a, lot of, a lot of guys uh, out here will do it on – sunflowers and especially some of the larger farmers then they can time it out where okay i'm going to desiccate this field then i'm going to wait a day or two then i'm going to desiccate the next field then i'm going to wait a day or two desiccate the next field and then i'm going to start harvesting and then it boom 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 you can just move from one field to the next and it's all ready to go so uh, i i would say that's one of the things that that happens here in terms of desiccation and i would assume for guys desiccating soybeans it'd be kind of the same way just hit hit what you can harvest in a day and then 
wait a day or two and then hit another spot. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, that's that's one thing we're looking at doing. Um, and other than that, we're just kind of wait waiting on uh, crops to get ready and find some cover crops on. So yeah, yeah, hard to be patient when <laughs> when you know all the work that's yeah. laying ahead of you. But by the same token, there's a lot of jobs coming, so getting prepped for all of them. What do you do in terms of soil sampling? In terms of fall fertility, do you do a lot of that stuff in the fall? Yeah, um, a lot of it gets. It seems like a lot of it gets done in the spring. Uh, we sample in the fall, but you know, typically we get we get pretty well bogged down by the end of November. So we'll we'll pull samples in the fall, and and I'm usually out pulling samples for other people as well. So we're we're usually pretty busy chasing combines around here in the next month or so. But fertility wise, we'll probably do most of our lime. Any lime that we can get out in the fall, we're going to. But it's just so hard to coordinate all that at once. But um, it's just Sometimes it gets done, sometimes it doesn't, but that's that's why we also throw some wheat in the rotation too. That allows us to kind of catch up on some of those some of those areas where we need to get you know a little bit more lime out or a little bit for fertility out, sure uh, stuff like that. So yeah, crop rotation can be useful for a lot of different things, no doubt. Yep. So, awesome. Well, Fred, thank good you luck. very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. Really yep, appreciate it, well. and uh, good luck with the rest of harvest here. It sounds like you had a really busy fall coming. Yeah, you too, guys. Be safe. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it 
depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. And our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you would like to call in, talk about what's going on in your farm, or ask an agronomic question, you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Got Jim on right now over in Minnesota. Jim, how's it going? Good, real well. How's, uh, how's, how are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Silage all wrapped up, cover crop seeded, uh, just getting ready to... Harvest some high moisture corn so we get those silage fields cleaned off so we can start putting manure on here in a couple of weeks is our game plan right now. But I know in the meantime we got to harvest some soybeans and yeah it's just on and on. Falls falls just a crazy time. Yeah, just starting to ramp. Harvest is just starting to ramp up here a little bit. Uh, we're getting started on some early corn. Uh, going to the ethanol plant here in September, so we're getting after it a little bit. Corn's pretty pretty uh, variable here in our area this year, so uh, hopefully. We got two areas, and one's fairly dry, and one looks like to be quite a bit better. So, you mentioned going to that ethanol plant in September. So, how much was the premium ahead of a, an October contract, for example? Well, when I sold it in uh, July, it was a ten cent. It was ten over. Okay. So it wasn't a wonderful. I mean, for our area, it was pretty good, and we just knew we had to move x amount of bushels. Uh, to make space. Sure. So. Sure. I know my brother is always up on that. He, it, Brian's not in here today, but usually he's like, okay, how much do you think we could safely bet that we'll all end in September? Cause yeah. I want to get started early. And, and we do, we usually have some that we can get going early on. Um, you know, the other question this year has been the bean harvest and where that's going to be at and how much corn is going to come out before beans and those types of things. Do you plant beans early also, or do you like to see it be May before you start on those beans? No, we'd like to plant them early. We haven't been able to pull off that just yet, but uh, that's on the goal is to try to get some, some beans in before corn here. That's really growing, taking some traction in our, in our area for sure. Um, but we haven't been able to do it, but just yeah, grow more corn. So we're trying to get out there and get, you know, get some of this early corn planted early so we can uh, make sure we got a, got something to do in September and uh, get things rolling. So, yeah, you know, spreading out that harvest window a little bit is kind of a nice thing too. having stuff that isn't already at the exact same time is, is nice. What kind of spread do you have? You mentioned some earlier corn hybrids and planting them early. Do you have a big spread in maturity dates, like 90-day corn to 100-day corn, or, or what kind of spread do you have? We're, yeah, we're 94 to 104 or 5. Um, so the unfortunate thing is that we're, we're actually harvesting 104-day corn today, which the 94 and 96-day corn we had planted and planned to come in early 
is way better shape as far as the drought situation. So uh, the stuff that's the 140 corn is is definitely ready way ahead of it, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, we try to spread it out a little bit. And this year it didn't work as planned, but it's uh, I don't know. We, we try to have this harvest stretch out best we can, keep that moisture at a decent level to work with. So you bet, you bet. Uh, when we look at these soybeans this year, it seems like fields have been even more uneven. Well, I shouldn't say even more uneven, but more uneven than than a lot of guys are used to. Do you have that unevenness up in your area too? Oh, absolutely. That's kind of what's, you know, I I still don't think I have, uh, you know, I don't still think I have a bean field that's 100% ready. We might have one that's 80% ready, but most of them are probably, you know, the, the knobs and the sandy stuff has, you know, been ready for, you know, two weeks and the, the lower ground still got leaves, quite a bit of leaves on it yet. So we're hoping for a rain event here this weekend and, and uh, help kind of start even things up and maybe bean harvest maybe hits, you know, full steam here next week, I hope. I, I'm hoping anyway. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm ready to ready to get rolling here on the farm for sure. Well, you know, we're looking at a lot of stuff on the farm. We're looking at soil samples now. We're thinking about fertility and manure application, all those things. You, you mentioned all the work here of harvest, but that's just part of the jobs that you've got coming. If if harvest goes well, what are you hoping you'll still have time before the snowflakes fly to get done this year on your farm? Uh, we got a lot of tiling we want to try, not try, just got another couple of farms we want to tile this fall and, uh, and a lot of, you know, fence line, waterways, all that stuff. It, with the harvest moving along at this pace here, if we can get done by the end of October uh, and give us, you know, four weeks in November to do that kind of thing, that sure helps get a lot of that work, you know, the chisel, all the chisel plowing and all that kind of stuff. If that can get done in November, that's just going to be great. So yeah. we're really looking forward to it. Some nice weather here, but really some we're really super dry and need some water even to kind of get tillage going. So in in your part of Minnesota, you mentioned the tiling. Do you pattern tile everything? And if so, what kind of spacings do you guys like to use? Well, we in our area it really soil types vary change quite a bit from one end of our farm operation to the other. And uh generally everything we're doing now, it means filling in with my dad and his dad did before him did is just, you know, did low spots and so we're making patterns around all those things. But if we end up having a farm that has no tile in it, generally pattern tiling the whole thing. So sure. sure. And probably on spacings, probably I would say, you know, we've gotten into be 50s really good, but 40s even better. Yeah. Hearing a lot about that. A lot of guys taking the hundred foot spacing and, and splitting them down and splitting and, them up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, so we after- split our, we can split our nine our old nineties up and that's, that's really nice. 45s are really nice. I know coming out of 2018, 2019 wet years, there were a lot of guys talking about that, that, man, it's it's time because in between my spacings, I can sure see a difference there with the combine. Well, yeah, well, it's, a, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big dif- it's a big difference when you see the, you know, and we've even gone on some of the really super heavy soils gone in between 70s, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's just a it's an art. There's no doubt about it that that guy started off with a certain amount of tile out there, and and it was expensive and a big investment. And now we're seeing if we can still tell a big difference in between. We know we need some more, and so it just just takes time and money to get it all done. And hopefully, like you say, if we can get done with harvest by Halloween, uh, we get the month of November, or at least a good chunk of it, to try and do all these other jobs too. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really. Sure. Cool. Really appreciate talking to you. Good luck to you guys as as you get rolling on with Harvest here. Yep, sounds good. Stay safe out there. You bet. You too. 
had a question that came in from Jake down in Nebraska. He said, we we missed tar spot this year on our farm until the last few weeks. Starting to see corn that's getting close to harvest, but there's still a few green leaves out there. Now we're starting to show some black spots. What does this mean for our management program in 2024? I don't believe in 2023 this is going to take any yield away at all. Hey, Jake, uh, great comment and great question there. And I, I actually was just down in Nebraska myself earlier this week, and I saw the same thing that you were looking at, that hybrids that had um, really good plant health all the way through the season managed to avoid the tar spot, but if they still had green tissue out there, that disease needs green tissue to thrive. So if tar spot blew in late and you caught a little bit on that tissue, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're looking at. So for me, uh, if this was my farm, I would say, all right, well, I've got tar spot in my field now and it's going to hang out in residue. I would do everything I could to get that residue to break down thoroughly. Uh, hopefully you can minimize whatever, uh, is left out there that's going to get a start and and take a foothold in your field. Because what a lot of farmers that are saying in the areas that have had tar spot now for a number of years, once you get it in a field, the chances of it blowing up and becoming more of a problem uh, increase. So if you've got it out there, what I've really seen good success with is really a three-shot approach here. And, and you can take or leave what you want here, but we've seen really nice suppression of tar spot and just overall leaf disease like gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight with Zyway at planting time. That one has really, really grown. I mean, it's literally on millions of acres now, and it's not because it's not giving guys a, a return on investment. It really is working. But then in season, and here's where a lot of the focus is in the industry, I, I think, again, I'd like that Zyway down, and I would start with that on my farm. We, In fact, we do start with that on our own farm. But then in crop, don't wait until tassel for your first application. Just in case the weather conditions are conducive for tar spot a little earlier, the guys that say they've had tar spot for years have had really good luck getting out there maybe around V10 or V12 uh, just a few weeks ahead of tassel. And once that ear leaf is out, get their fungicide protection out at that point. They have a better they have better luck getting coverage down through the plant and also they can fully protect that ear leaf. Then after tassel, so about two to three weeks after that first application, then put another application of fungicide out. And they've had really good luck with that. I've talked to some guys that have been trying another shot after that. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what the yield data is from this year, if that is actually going to pay, because it's not cheap. I mean, you have to have a high clearance sprayer or you have to bring in a helicopter or a plane to do that. But you absolutely can do a good job protecting against tar spot. And oh yeah, make sure you pick a good hybrid that has some tolerance to it as well. Thanks for the question. And thanks to you for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.